it's Meg Nally from Big Brother Season 17, and you are listening to The Recap. DJ Earworm, and you're listening to The Recap. Hi, I'm Heather McDonald, and you're listening to The Recap. It's American Idol winner Nick Fradiani, and you are listening to The Recap. Welcome to The Recap. I'm Erin McClory. And I'm Carly Miller. Clearly we're trying something new. If you're watching on ICTV.org, yes, watching, we are trying our very first video podcast. And even though we're trying something new technically, we're still sticking to our roots, and that is, of course, talking about entertainment. Definitely. As we always do. And we have to talk about 13 Reasons Why, and that is... A very popular show right now on Netflix. So just to give a little bit of background on it, it's a mini-series on Netflix that's based off Jay Asher's book back from 2007. So it was originally a book. Now they've done a mini-series on it. I believe they were actually developing it for a movie at first, and Selena Gomez was going to be involved with that. And now they've decided to do it as a mini-series, and she's actually an executive producer of the show. And she's tied to it in, in more ways than just that because she's now tattooed with some of the cast members. Right? Yeah. She got a semicolon, which is a universal symbol in regards to mental health awareness. Um, but last week, she she posted to social media to her tattoo on her wrist with two other cast members. So that's definitely a little fact. But Aaron, we need to dig deeper, and that is going behind the reasons. Now, of course, 13 Reasons Why is based off a girl who commits suicide and leaves tapes in regards to why she chose to end her life. But I think that we need to go much deeper than just those reasons, and that being the message behind this show. Now, it's necessary to note that while we discuss the issues that we have with the show, I think it's safe to say that they are issues indeed, but it's not just based off the production and the execution of the show itself. It is derived off a book, as you previously mentioned, so we're not just discrediting Netflix or the producers of the show. It's a deeper issue but we talked about it earlier today. The book came out in 2007, am I correct? Yeah, and I was talking to a friend about this who decided not to watch the whole series but did see a few clips of it, and, okay. and she was saying that from 2007 till now, we've we've grown so much as far as talking about mental illness and talking about suicide prevention and whatnot, and to it feels like we're kind of going back to 2007 in the way that the series depicts suicide, depicts bullying and whatnot, rather than moving forward. So because the book was was written and published 10 years ago, it seems like now the Netflix series, we're back in 2007 rather than, than all of this that we've gained, rather than, you know, talking about mental illness and talking about bullying and talking about suicide in a positive, you know, uh, a gaining awareness, I guess Absolutely. is what I'm trying to say, in a gaining awareness type of sense. And it feels like that sh- this show... A lot of people are saying it's not doing that. Interesting. So let's break down the reasons as to why both ourselves as well as friends that we've talked to and and people that we've spoken about in regards to the show feel this way in terms of stepping backwards. Right. I think that the two biggest reasons I get from people at first are that, one, the whole thing is set up as a revenge story. So it's basically showing that, that killing yourself and committing suicide is revenge, which is a horrible thing to depict. And the other being that she gained power through suicide because this is the only way that people are listening to her is is now that she's gone. Absolutely. So those are the two biggest ones that I get personally. But I think we should run through um, a few more and kind of dissect them a little bit more. So one of the reasons is that it simplifies suicide and perpetuates the idea that suicide has someone to blame. And really that's what this whole show is about because the 13 tapes, for people who don't know, each tape is set up as... It's dedicated to one person who... Right. This is your tape. Welcome yeah, to your tape. Welcome to your tape. This right. is how you did me wrong, and now I'm going to tell you 
why and, and kind I, of blame them. Right, and I think it almost takes away from the aspect of mental illness here. I think that, you know, oftentimes when dealing with something as tragic as suicide, we forget that there's a facet there that we can't necessarily wrap our heads around, and that is the aspect of mental illness, of a depression, of someone going into a dark, dark place and feeling as though they can never get out of it. And so with that being said, you're right. This depicts that suicide is a straight, linear path, but there's a start and an end, and that's life versus death. And that's most definitely not the case. And when you bring up just blaming these 13 people, these 13 reasons why, and those reasons being these people and the wrongdoings that they did to her, it's so much more than just switching schools and meeting these people who don't understand you and taking your life. And I think that it almost discredits it and takes away from the depth of what is yeah. mental illness as a whole. It does. And not only does it say that, that suicide has someone to blame, it also says that it's okay to tell them they're the reason and blame them outright and make sure they're aware of it. At, at one point, one character even says, quote, we all killed Hannah Baker, who is the main character's name as if to say they all were responsible for her suicide. And it's just that kind of message just is not one that you that you want to perpetuate. And it's interesting that you mentioned the, the mental illness a few minutes ago because this show actually, it doesn't even address mental illness, which is true. a huge problem that a lot of people have with the show because it's true that not all people who die from suicide suffer from mental illness, but approximately 90% of people who commit suicide are suffering from some sort of mental illness. And to have this platform and to not use it to talk about mental illness kind of seems like a loss. Absolutely, Erin. And I want to piggyback off that idea, which is a phenomenal point that you just brought up. But we mentioned about going deeper into each controversy, and that kind of brings me to the point of this show in its entirety completely disregards guidelines on safe on, on safe and responsible reporting on suicide. It does. You know, it, it totally takes away from reaching out to teachers, from utilizing principals, from utilizing guidance counselors. And for, in fact, one of the counselors got his own tape for disregarding Hannah when she came to him with a problem. He was very dismissive of that. And so I feel as though it totally sheds a negative light on reaching out. There's this stigma where you can't talk about mental illness. Although, like you mentioned, I'm kind of backtracking on my own words because mental illness isn't brought up in the show, but there's this sense of if you're struggling, keep it in, don't talk about it, because whoever you go to won't be able to fathom what it is you're you're going through. You need yeah. cold, hard proof to to, choo to, to explain your suffering and, and all of these things, and it almost disregards that openness of, of speaking to someone, of seeking help, of, of being open, professional help, that is, guidance counselors, anything. I mean, we're... we're 22 years old and we're sitting here and we're talking about this but what if we were 15 what if we were 16 that is this this target demographic here I mean yeah. it's it's high schoolers after all and so yes I feel as though we are somewhat mature enough to be able to comprehend this from you know a critical standpoint but as a 15 year old binge watching a Netflix show would you truly have the capability to take a step back and be like this screams wrongs for so many reasons and it's not just a girl who kills herself i i totally get what you're saying i think it's kind of a double-edged sword with the the showing help and going to the guidance counselor because on one side this show doesn't show successful seeking of help in any way and it's kind of showing like it's too late at some point to get help which is never the case and not an okay message to send on the other hand it shows what happens when we victim blame because the guidance counselor she went to or, or the school counselor whatever it was i don't remember right victim blamed her and said when she said that she was raped or saw a friend raped um he said 
who was it? And she didn't want to say it first when she did say, I believe he said something like, it, it couldn't have been there. And and, right. I, and I want to point out that the two of us haven't finished the series. so For reasons that we can't get through it, if we're being honest, right? I, I mean, mean it's, I'm trying, but... Oh, I think yeah. So I know you're really not a fan. For me, it's I mean, first of all, it's a lot of content and we're busy. But although we have not finished, I'm on episode five, and I believe I you're right so. around there. So we did we did talk to a couple people who have finished the series. So that's kind of where we're pulling this information as well as articles. But my point being that it, it shows that when you victim blame, the negative things that can come from that, whether it's suicide, whether it's not as extreme, either way, victim blaming is never okay, and it does have negative consequences. So on one hand, I get that. But going back to what you were saying, if someone is watching that, a 15-year-old is watching that who maybe was raped, is that going to deter them from getting help, from speaking right. out, saying, I was raped, I want to press charges, or I need help getting through this, I'm grieving? Is that going to stop them because they're worried I'm going to get victim blamed? Absolutely. And Erin, I think this goes back to such a larger societal issue, which arguably is every single point we're going to hit upon throughout this be behind the reason segment that we're discussing. But that is rape culture and and slut shaming for for lack of a better phrase but that's just it it's it's always going back to the girl it's what was she wearing at the party it's how was she acting it's how intoxicated was she was she in control of her own body and it's always disregarding the actual action of what's being done and that trauma that comes along with it and I think that this totally sheds light and you know what it's so sad to me because I feel like we're in such a fragile point in from a societal aspect and and so I think that this could have done so much in the sense that Selena Gomez herself came out in a statement and said something along the lines of, that's what kids have to see. They don't want to see false speeches of empty optimism because that does not matter to them. They see something that moves them, something that scares them. And that's, of course, just the essence of and the theme of this show. And so to counter that, I'd like to just say, this had the power to do that, but it missed the mark in the sense that there's nothing... There's no, there's no proper follow-through with, with any issues that these kids are dealing with. They're riding around on their bikes, reading these tapes in the park in someone's car, but there's no one ever seeking help. There's people ignoring Hannah, and we're not seeing the, the well-rounded side that, that we should have been, how preventable this might have been, and I feel as though that's going under the radar for the entertainment aspect, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I know what you mean. And you mentioned that that this show does tackle rape culture and, and slut shaming. Right. And I want to hit upon that because this is something else that people are speaking out about, saying that the show might maybe handled it poorly. So Hannah, the main character, was accused of having sex with many of her classmates, and she was slut shamed for it. Um, we learn later that she never had sex with any of them, and the show, it basically shows that she doesn't deserve to be slut shamed because she wasn't a slut. So not does she, it's not that she doesn't deserve to be slut shamed because you should not slut shame people. It's she doesn't deserve to be slut shamed because she didn't have sex with anyone. Right. And that's, that's not how it should be. It should be, it's none of your business who, pe who people have sex with. And if that's what they choose to do, then that's them and that's their business. And you can't slut shame someone for that. Absolutely. It just it goes about it in all the in all the wrong ways. Absolutely. I think I think there's a lot here. I know that that people love it. I as as a viewer taking away all of this in depth behind the show that we're that we're really dissecting right now. As a viewer, I'm not crazy about it. I find them really really hard to get through. I almost feel as though they're dragging and of course I know that there's 
jokes going around in terms of just listen to the tape, get through the tape. I would have watched the tapes in, in one night. And with that being said, I'd almost like to transition on to how other audience members are reacting, and that's through the memes that are currently generating the internet. Yeah. I think it's really, really important. We talk about people missing the message, missing the mark, interpreting this content differently, but Erin, this is arguably some of the most disturbing things that come have come out of this show. Definitely. The memes that are circulating are... Uh, the follow-up to the show, I think, is the worst part. I think the show on its own, yes, there's some negative aspects of it, but the follow-up is even worse. So there are memes going around where, um, basically on the show, we were saying Hannah interacts with someone, and then they welcome, she welcomes them to her tape. So that's what these memes are. So it's Hannah saying, can I borrow a pencil? And a kid saying, sorry, this is my only one. And Hannah saying, welcome to your tape. They're basically taking trivial things and saying that Hannah would make a tape about it. Right. And... The author, actually, of the original book came out and said that there are stories, I don't think we've gotten to them in the tapes, but there are ones that, that seem like trivial things, the things that wouldn't necessarily cause someone to fall into a depression or to want to commit suicide. But he was saying that in the book, after he published the book, those were the tapes that people related to the most. I was just about to say, if anything, I feel as though we talk about how we can't wrap our heads around somebody who is suffering from depression or something that makes them feel suicidal. And so with that being said, I think if anything, it's important to note that the littlest things can push someone over the someone over the edge in Completely. that mental state. You don't know what they're going through. And, and perhaps, okay, you could say, take a step back. We're thinking too much into it. I get that. But it's so necessary and vital to note that that this is what's generating the internet right now. That Selena Gomez, the executive producer, someone who has a tattoo on her wrist with the cast members, someone who's come out and said she was going to star if there was a movie. Someone's saying that this is what our generation needs. And to that I say, well, obviously they didn't get it then. They didn't get whatever message you were trying to send out, whatever message you were hoping would you know, be captured by your audience. They, they missed it because this is what people are talking about. They're not sitting here talking about what we're talking about. And that's not their fault. I'm just saying that it's vital to note yeah. that whatever intention you had, well, you obviously missed that. That's, that's a great point, and that's a good way to draw the connection. I didn't even think of that. I think that's great. Another reaction that is just as sickening, oh, the Facebook Aaron. statuses that I have seen. On my own feed, let me tell you. Horrible. These Facebook statuses, one of them said, quote, let's play 13 reasons why. Comment your name, and I'll reply tape or no tape. Tape meaning you've done something wrong and need to figure it out, and no tape meaning you've done nothing. We're, we're living in a world, though, where we have to note that 13-year-olds are killing themselves accidentally on Facebook Live, or a kid is committing suicide because his girlfriend texted her saying she was going to kill herself if he didn't come over, and so he, in fact, took his own life. This is the type of world that we're living in, and so this is no joke as if it ever would be before, but I'm saying this is almost all too real, and it's not in the sense that it makes us feel uncomfortable because we're learning. In fact, it's just what we mentioned earlier. We're taking so many steps back. Yeah, definitely, and my question now is, I haven't seen, actually, I was going to say I haven't seen Netflix respond to this, but you someone have. showed us earlier today that Netflix did respond to this, and the way that they did is not the way that I would have expected them to. So I think it's kind of up to Netflix and up to the actors and the people involved with the show to speak up and say, look, these memes, these, these Facebook statuses, that's not what we intended to come out of this show. You're missing the point, like you mentioned. But rather, Hulu tweeted something about you know, using Hulu instead of Netflix. And I believe Netflix responded with something like, welcome to your tape. Absolutely. The fact that Netflix 
and whoever is staffing their social media thinks it's okay to poke fun at suicide through their own show, their own original series, is sickening. It is. They're perpetuating the negative outcome of their own series. And I just, I don't get it. And, and you know, we mentioned it briefly before, but there's really no follow-up to this show. There's no anti-bullying campaign launched with it. I was talking to a friend who who chose not to watch much of the series, but, but just a few clips, and that was her biggest problem with deciding not to watch it. It was, they're really not seeming like they're doing this for the right reasons, if Abs- you will. Absolutely. And in fact, Aaron, I believe in the third episode, Alex rips down a poster that students are putting up in regards to anti-bullying, anti-suicide, suicide awareness. And someone says, well, it's too late, she's gone. And it's that, that concept of just blo- blocking that out, not educating yourselves further to prevent it. But Aaron, you talk about a follow-up. And although I can acknowledge the fact that there's a lack of follow-up in terms of suicide prevention, suicide awareness, I think that it's important to acknowledge the fact that there's certainly enough content for a follow-up in terms of another season. Which if you're talking about entertainment and television and ratings, well, that's what you it's need a good thing. to go on. So let's let's touch upon that because I think it's also necessary to, to, to draw upon the fact that there were a few differences in regards to the show versus the book and how those yeah. kind of opened up the door for season two. Definitely. For what we might be referring to as 14 reasons why at this point. And I believe you said it earlier, but as, as sad as it is to say, it's, it's probably true. It probably is true. I think no matter the reaction, whether good or bad, this show is gaining a lot of traction. And they definitely did set it up for season two. So, of course, we've mentioned a couple spoilers, but this is definitely a spoiler alert. Um, at the end of the series, we did learn that Alex commits suicide, who was one of the characters. That does not happen in the book. So... My immediate thought is, why would you add an additional suicide to a show that's already so heavy and and, and, and wears down viewers so much already? It's such an emotional show. And now you're going to end the last episode with another suicide from one of the main characters right. that was not in the book. Right. That screams, we're setting you up for a second season. Absolutely. We're drawing you in in some way. And Erin, you mentioned it earlier. Draw us in in a different way. And that way being educational. Let's tie it into your entire mission statement in a sense of your show of what you're going to you pride yourselves on and that is this sense of awareness this sense of you know being able to relate if you're going through something that you feel as though is life-ending but in reality in a month it'll mean absolutely nothing to you let us relate on that level but and I think that you said it earlier and I don't mean to take your idea by any means but you said something about Selena Gomez coming out at the end of the show let's use Selena Gomez's face let's let's plaster it all over the show let's have I understand it's Netflix there's no commercials but let's have a PSA yeah. at the beginning at the end of each and every show I mean you could do what you want with that and you could do so much let's do a more you know like like NBC does and you know before and after a few of their shows a nice PSA, a 30-second clip that would really resonate with people, not just fictional characters, but, Definitely. you know, th- that association. I mean, just even have, at, at the end of every episode, the phone number, the suicide prevention hotline. They don't even have that. It's like, if you know, if you or anyone you know is struggling with whether it's mental illness or suicidal thoughts, call this hotline, call this number, there is help out there. It just felt like... That, that wasn't there. And another difference from the book that I think that definitely needs to be talked about was how Again, she, this is a spoiler. This is a spoiler. Spoiler. Huge, huge, huge spoiler. spoiler. 
is how she commits suicide. Right. And it's hard to talk about, but it needs to be talked about because it was a huge part of the show. So in the book, you were told that she overdoses on pills, and that is how she commits suicide. Now, in the show, she bleeds out. And I don't want to get into details. It was explained to me in a little bit too much detail. I decided, even if I finish the series, I'm not watching that scene. And the fact that a lot of people did have to watch that scene, maybe not knowing what they were getting themselves into is a little bit frightening. And I want to talk about the fact that there are warnings at the beginning of shows a lot of times saying, um, you know, graphic there's graphic content. images, whatever yes. it may be, maybe some triggers that happen in the episode. That is never associated with something as extreme as watching someone commit suicide and watching someone bleed out on your television screen. So when you see one of those warnings, you might think there's going to be, there's going to be you know, a depiction of a um, like a holdup at a school or a shooting at a school or something like that or rape or whatever it may be. You don't think when you see that warning that you're about to watch someone bleed out. Absolutely. So I just feel like they didn't, they didn't warn viewers enough. And you had mentioned earlier that they did get some um, information from, I, it was, I don't want to get this wrong, but it was like a suicide prevention or psychiatrist. They talked to someone. Um, oh, here it is. The American oh. Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Right. So before doing the series, they did talk with people from there to, to get their input. I wish they spoke to us. Right? I think, I think apparently we would have a lot more advice. We definitely would. Right? But the thing is, when they talked to them, they disregarded everything they said. Oh, okay. So <laughs> what happened was they basically told them that the risk of additional suicides increasing... Um, when the story is when the story explicitly describes the suicide method. So what I'm trying to say is that if you explicitly describe or show a suicide, the risks of that increasing suicides is greater. So they ignored that and decided right. instead they were still going to show in graphic detail the suicide. And it's interesting, Erin, because I feel as though more oftentimes than not, we understand that that books to TV, books, to movies, they change. Right. Whether it's for the sake of time and the lack of detail that you can have, you know, you can write more detail than you can actually display on, on screen. But with that being said, this isn't the case of a movie that cuts out your favorite scene or you're trying to recite from the book word for word and you're like, they missed that one paragraph for this one character that I like. My favorite line's gone. Right. No. In this case, you have two drastic, drastic situations that were never, never written in the book. And those are for two reasons. Alex's suicide is, we can argue, is due in part to, you know, ex expanding the series. And Hannah bleeding out as opposed to overdosing on pills is for the sheer factor of shock, of production, of being able to have an oh my gosh moment from start to finish and not just look at someone open a pill bottle and fall to the floor. And so with that being said, it's sinful in the sense that this is solely for entertainment. And it, it's sad when... You have your executive producer priding herself on this, sh this show in the sense that it's going to serve as an educational factor, and you miss that due to entertainment. And that's what really doesn't resonate with me here, and I think that that is arguably what each and every reason that we're talking about today, and that's why we didn't like it, is because if you're going to pride yourself on education, on it being good for teenagers, on this being, you know, the thing that will that will change and, and turn anybody who's, who's struggling and with mental illness, even though they don't mention it one bit, then follow through with that. Then try your best. But don't completely go off track there and do anything you can for entertainment and TV. Then maybe a TV show wasn't the best option. I mean, heck, the book was written in 2007. I don't think that people were really, really losing sleep over seeing this transpire onto the small screen. Right. And 
I just think that it goes to show that one of the biggest things that people are saying is that shows and media and whatnot, they they sensationalize things like suicide. And when we're talking about the changes they've made and how it's solely, at least in our minds, could be potentially solely for a second season and solely for shock factor and production value, that is when I, I start to agree with people where you're sensationalizing suicide and you're sensationalizing these serious issues rather than telling a story and really trying to help people. I mean, Absolutely. if I was a parent or if I had a little sibling, I would not want them watching this show. And a lot of the articles I found online were opinion pieces from people who have suffered from mental illness or have been suicidal. And they said that this show, for someone who is maybe struggling or has mental illness or right. has been suicidal in the past, this show is horrible for them to watch and it brings them back to that dark place and it's almost harder for them to then move on after so it seems like in some cases it's doing more harm than good and it's hard to generalize that because of course every viewer is different a lot of people are loving the show a lot of people are connecting with a lot of people are connecting with hannah which is both a good thing and a bad thing i think that when you connect with a character you want to be like them. And that's what's scary because when you're connecting with Hannah, someone who commits suicide, when you're relating to all of these things she's gone through, you might think suicide is the answer too. And I think that's the scariest part for me. I couldn't agree more, Erin. And I think that it's vital to just end on the note that these are all based off our own opinions. Definitely. This isn't us generalizing the show, us discouraging anybody from watching it. Please, by all means, watch it. We ourselves both watched it. We didn't finish it. We made that clear. But this is just how we felt from from consuming five episodes worth of content. And so right. I think that it's it's important to shed light on because, oh, by the way, no one will be educated unless topics like this become part of the conversation. Yeah. Now, Erin, we talk about moving backwards, moving forwards. I think it's time for us to take a step backwards now and touch upon a topic that we talked about last week. We did. We talked about a Survivor contestant who was outed on the show as being transgender. And we talked about his point of view and how his life changed a little bit after the show and how he's coped with it and in his story and his point of view on it. But today we're going to talk about the other side. And that would be Jeff Varner's side, who is the one who outed Zeke Smith as being transgender on the show. And Varner has come out now saying that following the airing of the episode, he has now lost his job. Are we surprised? We're not. We're not surprised. No one wants to be associated with a scandal like that. What I'm surprised by is how he found out. So he worked for Alan Tate Real Estate. Um, I love he that was name. A, he Alan was Tate a former news anchor. Am I correct in assuming so? He Yes, you're right. He was a former local years news and years anchor. Years ago? Okay, yeah. okay. Yes, he was. Um, and so Varner hit one of his quotes about how he found out. He said, quote, As I'm spending hours doing press, I discover I can't access my email. Then the MLS Association emails me to say, you've been terminated. I didn't even find out from my company. Suddenly, my real estate license was inactive and my current clients were left in the dark. He said, it was ugly. My former boss told me I was in a news story they wanted nothing to do with. It wasn't even given the chance to explain or right the wrong. Ah, I know it's life, hard. Right? right. I mean, yes, he regretted it. Yes, he spoke up saying that he should have never done that. But at the same time, you did that. And, and with something like real estate, I mean, that's so heavily associated with real estate agents having great relationships with their clients. Do you really want someone working for your real estate firm who has such a negative reputation with a lot of America? Right. Erin, as you're mentioning this, my mind immediately goes to Bill O'Reilly, where yes. just last night it was it was announced that Fox is cutting absolutely all ties with, with the O'Reilly show, O'Reilly Reports, 
I don't follow Whatever politics all that much, so bear <laughs> with me, guys. But yeah, so they wanted nothing to do upon hearing about sexual assault claims and these women coming out and speaking out about, about Bill O'Reilly. Almost every single advertiser cut advertisements from his show, which of course we know that that's how television is created in the sense that that's what makes you stay on air is your yeah. advertisements that funds your show. And so all these advertisers were, were, all of these advertisers were dropping him. And so Fox dropped him as quick as that. And I know that this is two completely different situations, but when you dissect yeah, them, they're the same. And that is controversy associated with a business and that business wanting absolutely nothing to do with that. Yeah. And I think that oftentimes we see that and am I surprised? Not at all. This, this was coming. I'd almost be surprised if it, didn't happen. You know what's weird though is as I was reading the article, right? I saw a line. They didn't really go into this, but apparently he had only been affiliated with the firm for 17 days. <laughs> like, okay, okay, are you serious? You hired this guy who was on Survivor. The episode airs 17 days after you hire him, and now you terminate him because of that. It's just like the timing. I don't know. It was weird. Well, I feel like that justifies the real estate agency all the more for not giving him a chance. Absolutely no time. They had no. It's not like he was with them for ten years. Yeah, totally. This is not the first time this has happened, and we talk about not being surprised. We've seen this time and time again with reality stars making mistakes on shows and facing real world repercussions for it. Absolutely. And immediately upon reading about this. Brought me back to a se- the first season I watched of Big Brother, which was back in 2013. It was season 15. And it was a very controversial season for a lot of reasons. But one of the biggest reasons was that a few contestants made racial remarks and racial slurs throughout the duration of the show. Now, let's point out Big Brother is a show that they have live feeds 24-7 online. So anything you say, yeah, it can get edited out of the show. And they... they- They chose to actually show some of it because it became such a big storyline because when you have uh, live feeds on 24-7, the fans start to to watch those and see this is happening, that's happening, and they want to see it in the episodes. You you can't stay away from it. So two contestants, Gina Marie and Aaron, were fired for their racist comments. One was let go of a modeling agency. The other was um, a pageant coordinator, I believe, and they were both let go. But that's not... Those weren't actually the only two people, and I thought they were the only two, but from that same season, Andy Heron, who won the season. Wow. Yeah, Gina Marie came in second. So one of the people who was fired came in second. Okay. The winner, he was the first gay man to ever win the show. So that was a big deal. Okay. But I don't believe this was shown on the show, but it was on the live feeds that he used the C word against one of the other contestants. And it was a big controversy, and he found out after the show that he lost his teaching job from a college in Chicago. Interesting. Erin, your mind goes to Big Brother. Mine, of course, goes right to The Bachelor. And that is Olivia from Ben's season. She was absolutely depicted as the bully throughout the entire season. She made it fairly far. But if anything, I think it was the derogatory teen mom comment she made to mom of two young girls that is Amanda Stan. And so she was totally chastised, chastised all throughout the season. We saw that on After the Final Rose and everything. And she was called a bully by almost every single girl. And her news career was over after the show. She was a broadcast journalist in Virginia for an NBC affiliate. And after the show, I mean, you see someone in that light, you can't put them behind the desk and, and you know, rely on them to give you your morning news. You know, it's it's just so different. Now she's, of course, moved to New York City two years post-show. Post and I think she's just 
kind of a socialite, like a... Yeah, I think I've seen her doing some modeling stuff on social media. Little I don't things know. here and there. So she definitely is embracing her new life in a sense, but it's it's necessary to note that here you take a 23-year-old girl, she makes it on camera, she thinks, you know, she'll just work her way up, she goes on The Bachelor and makes a fool of herself, and there are repercussions for your actions. And may I say it's a shame, because last night when I was looking up for people, I actually looked up Olivia, and I found her real. And she, she was good. good. She was so good. And you know Can what? I say shockingly good? Like, I did not expect You are it. so allowed to say shockingly good. And it's so interesting because in every single, as we were, as we were making these notes for these shows and I, and I looked at your input in, in regards to the Big Brother and all that, my mind immediately went to Olivia because that's just who I think of first. And it's so interesting because I've, I've seen her reel before, but every single article that I read talked about how it was wasted talent because she was so good at what she did. It's like sickening. I watched that and I'm just like, you are such a good news anchor. You are so good on air. And it, I don't know if, I mean, she quit her job to go on The Bachelor. She right. made that clear. Right. But I don't know. I feel like if you go on The Bachelor and, and you're loved... I don't know, is your news career still over? I feel like for her it's different because when you're a news anchor, you want to be taken seriously, of course. Everything Absolutely. is like very straight and narrow. And then when you go on a reality show, I feel like that discredits you no matter how you're perceived. Absolutely. And I think that that just goes back to the fact of, you know, you're making this conscious decision. Be aware of that. But also your name is your name and your image is your image. And whether you're a, a public figure or not, which we know that once these girls go on the show, especially right. with the rise of social media, you are now a public figure. But with that being said, it's is your name is your name no matter what. And if you're going to tarnish that by your actions, you can't, you know, bounce out of L.A. and back into Virginia and say, like, that wasn't me. Your actions, you know, actions speak louder than words. And if you show your true character, these people don't want to be affiliated with you. Definitely. That's not the only Bachelor person that we have, though, Aaron. We, no. have, we have one more. We have to talk about Taylor. From, from this the, season. Yeah, the most recent season. Right. Of course, she started kind of, on good terms, I think, with America. Corinne, I would say, was at first the villain. I think Taylor I agree. I kind agree. of became the villain in that she was attacking Corinne. I will say attacking. Some people don't feel that way. She was attacking Corinne, saying that she didn't have any emotional intelligence and whatnot. And there were some contestants on the show who were saying things like, who would seek help from her? Because she's a mental health counselor. Right. Which... I remember on the reunion, something that stuck out to me was when, I don't know if it was Taylor or if it was someone else, said something like, why should we ever bash someone who is dedicating their life to helping others? And I agree with that. I think it's amazing that she's a mental health counselor and that's the route she wanted to take in her life, but she is only 23 and her career really hasn't started. She had just graduated when she started the show right. and to now go on and kind of ruin your career before it starts as a mental health counselor. It's like, again, how do you take someone seriously? If I went to therapy and I saw someone who was on The Bachelor, I would just be taken aback. And I don't know if I could interact with them in the way you would want to interact with a mental health counselor. Absolutely. Well, that's why she's going to end up on Instagram posting about sugar bear hair and all of these. Uh, there's some there's some hair product that they always use the curling irons on. Basically, make a long story short, I guess she she has to bank on getting the Bachelor advertisement package on social media because I'm sure that that's what, what helps to pay all of their bills at this point, it seems like. Because you see the same ad over post after post over. after post. I think Jade and Tanner are two of the biggest culprits of that. But but no shame. I would do it if I were Haven't them. they spoken out about that before? Caitlin Bristow did. I don't Caitlin know if Bristow they have. Caitlin Bristow did. I, I don't know if Jade and Tanner did. I just remember Caitlin's tweet that was something like, y'all want a wedding. It's expensive. You're going to have to put up with my social media ads. She's like, you, you, you're pressuring for wedding and babies, so, so deal with it. Yeah. So funny. So, Erin, we've talked about two really deeper topics, but I think yeah. we need to shed light 
on a happier one, a, a lighter one, yeah. all in all. Let's end on a good note. Let's end on a, a pretty note, and that is... Julia Roberts. Pretty Woman. So Julia Roberts is the 2017 world's most beautiful woman, of course, crowned by people. Yes. They do Sexiest Man Alive. I think that's the more well-known one. I agree. Which is kind of a shame. It's 2017. It's 2017. Wake up. Yeah. Wake up. But this is amazing because it's revolutionary it's ground it i'm upset because it should be such a bigger deal than it is like i shouldn't have to search for this headline this record i mean she has won five times now i say one she has been named it five times now five that's a record times she was just 23 when she first appeared on the cover of the world's most beautiful issue in 1991 and that was just one year after she had skyrocketed to fame when she starred in the smash romantic comedy pretty woman and she herself spoke out 20 2017 now you fast forward all these years and she says that she feels as though now she's in her peak yeah in her life I don't I don't know I feel like how can Julia Roberts peak like I feel like there's just always more for her she'll never yeah she can say she feels like she's peaking but but let's be real she's not peaking there's so much more I mean I don't want to say she's not peaking because like I mean, she's at such an amazing point, but I do think that there's always more for Julia Roberts. I mean, she's Julia Roberts. Absolutely. And, and you know what's interesting? We talk about how this isn't a, uh, as big of a deal as it should be. She has is, is now so far ahead of George Clooney, who is, of course, a dear friend of hers. So far ahead of his record, he's won People's Sexiest Man Alive just twice. twice. She made a joke about it, What kind of record is that? That's not even a record. That's nothing. That doesn't even shine a light to Julia Roberts. That's embarrassing. It is. She made a joke in the article, I think, like she was going to put that in her Christmas card to him this year. Like, I won five times, you've won twice. But he's gotten more publicity for it. Why? Why? I have so many questions and no answers. But that's okay. Behind all of the reasons is, is what we're really digging into today. And I think we did just that. Yeah. Julia Roberts may be peaking, but I feel like we are not. We have so much more to discuss next week we will be back i have such a fun time doing our first video podcast so did i so thank you so much for watching and for checking out our first video podcast if you're listening on itunes you of course can still just hear us that's totally fine too but yeah thank you so much thank you to our producer kate douglas who is pushing the buttons behind the scenes today and to our audio technician david petka and thank you guys, of course, for watching and or listening. It's so exciting to say that. Yeah, for the first time. And we'll see you next week. The recap presented by ICTV will return next week. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter at the underscore recap and like us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash the recap podcast. 